Hey everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up for another week. So today I'm delighted to say that I have my good friend Brad Hart on the show. Now, Brad is the founder of a business called Make More Marbles and without sort of wrecking the punchline, we're gonna get into that story a little bit later today. But he has had over 20 years as an entrepreneur and 16 years managing wealth. So today's topic is wealth, wealth creation. Specifically, we're gonna get into crypto and some more progressive wealth strategies because we haven't covered that topic in any depth on the show before. But the other area that I'm really impressed about in terms of Brad is impact. And he thinks about wealth through the lens of not just about how you can make money, how you can build generational wealth, but he is committed to helping entrepreneurs and investors reach their full potential so they can focus on solving what he calls the grand challenges of our time. So what we're going to get into today is not just the thinking about wealth, the mindset of money, but how if you can really understand what you're working towards, there is a bigger game that sits on the other side of money. The, the money is daunting to people, but money is, is, it's an illusory thing. There's trillions of dollars floating around the planet. It's not your money, it's the money, right? It's like, get resourceful, find a way, get in the rooms, and more and more of it will come to you. and will become less and less of an issue. I met Brad through many different circles, and you guys know that I share the importance of getting in bigger rooms. So I actually met Brad through a very, very good friend of mine, Jazz. Then we shared a few stages uh, on Clubhouse. But the reason I also bring that up is that the other thing that Brad is an absolute world expert in is building masterminds. In fact, he's going to talk about a mastermind that he's got coming up called Mastermind to Millions, which is in Phoenix, something I think you should try and get to if you're in that neck of the woods. But the importance about being in rooms like that where you can learn, you can challenge yourself, and you can take what you're trying to create to another level. So this is a, an action-packed episode all about different strategies but the underlying tone is how can you build wealth and impact today in the future ongoing to reach your goals dreams and desires success is a is a science and achievement is an art and that became the rabbit hole that i went down it gives me great pleasure to welcome to scale up mr brad Hart. hey everyone it is nick bradley here welcome to scale up Another week, another amazing guest, actually a good friend on the show today, someone that I've known for a little while now. We actually connected on sort of through Clubhouse a bit, then through someone else that we're, you know, close friends with. And since then, we've started to talk about all sorts of things around building wealth, how you look at businesses differently, uh, the importance of network, particularly getting yourself in different rooms, sometimes rooms that scare you. And what we're going to touch on today, which I'm super excited about, is some more progressive wealth building strategies because we've never really talked about crypto, blockchain, all of that sort of stuff on the show. And today I have one of the world's leading experts on that stuff with me. So welcome today, Brad Hart. Hey everybody, thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Nick. I appreciate you, brother. And uh, my name is actually Bradley, so I'm I'm just going to be the Hart Bradley. Oh. You could be the Nick Bradley, and we'll go the from Bradley there. Bradley Show. <laughs> Bradley Show. Every, everyone's like, we've just lost half the listeners because they realize it's going to be a total geek out, right? Yeah, 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 hundred <laughs> percent. Well, hey, you know, there's there's the stuff you do to help people and make money now, and there's the tried and true and the you know ongoing boring stuff, and then there's the new and cutting edge stuff that is a little bit weird, but everything's a little bit weird in the beginning. So you're saying like, that I'm the, I'm the traditional boring guy and you're the progressive. Yeah, well, you know, cool I, was, I was thinking more about masterminds, but uh, 
you know, when you when you think about crypto nowadays, it's like 1998 compared to where the internet was. So what was um, happening on the internet in 1998? It was not the the sure thing that it is now, right? So I'm curious to play with this a little bit because I'll tell you a couple of my sort of crypto stories as well. And we can have some fun. But before we get into that, so I sort of came to know you. We, we joke about Clubhouse now because it was this thing that kind of morphed our time for a period of time. And we shared a few stages there. And I know back then, you were talking again a lot about wealth building wealth management but you're also talking a lot about masterminds and i remember that that was kind of your thing for a while i know you're still into it and you're still a big big sort of believer in passion but let's hear a bit about your story brad so how yeah. did you get into that and then we'll talk into the um the crypto stuff as well yeah i mean I'll, I'll go back to the beginning i mean i grew up in a situation where my mom and dad were having a lot of trouble with finances my dad was a lumber truck driver got hurt when i was two years old couldn't work again mom worked at a deli she had to leave to go support us because it wasn't getting it done with social security and disability and my dad. And I'm so grateful for those programs, by the way. A lot of people get conservative as they get older. I am very, very grateful for, for socialist policies that kept our family afloat when we needed it. Um, but you know, I always had to work hard since 12 years old to, to have anything extra, right? Besides just a roof over our head and, and food on the table. So um, I always felt like somewhere in my mind, I got this idea, like if I just had money, all the problems would go away and mommy and daddy wouldn't have to leave each other and, and all this stuff. Right. So that was kind of the, the subconscious <laughs> program running in the back of my mind for many, many years. And that, when did you, into... can I just ask, when did you work that piece out? Because our, our stories are not dissimilar in terms of what I was involved in growing yeah. up and there was always money issues, but when did you realize that was the story playing in your head? Yeah, I think it was in my early twenties, maybe yep. early to mid twenties. And when the spell was really broken was when I was 26. So here I am, I'm 26 years old. I'm running a hedge fund that I founded. I'm trading options and equities by the day, having you know hundred thousand to three hundred thousand dollars swings in my PL every day. Uh, we had a month in May of 2013 where uh, my partners and I made a million forty thousand dollars in a month. Oh, and I was like, all right, hang on, here I am. Or you know, at the top of the, it was the park, uh, the Park Hyatt, I believe, in New York, or one of those hotels on Park yeah. Avenue. And we're, we're all toasting. I'd given up drinking at this time. So I'm toasting club soda, their champagne. And we're like, we had a million dollar month. This is so amazing. And I felt so empty and burned out and disconnected and lonely. I'm like, wait a second, hold on. <laughs> we just made all the monies. And now the, uh, you know, the, the program that had been running in the background was laid bare. It was like, oh, what's the, uh, you know, when, when this fuse breaks and you no longer have the money thing to drive you, what is it that drives you? Why, what is important in your life? It's like getting to the top of the mountain and realizing there's a whole nother mountain. Wow. Okay. This is fascinating. I didn't know this part of your story, mate. This is cool. So, yeah. so you, so when you achieve the thing that you've been chasing for pretty much all your life, certainly from the programming and you, and you start to see it happen, right. Then all of a sudden there's this emptiness. Yeah. Yeah. It felt at that moment, I felt like, oh my God, I'll never be happy. That was the real, that wow. was the real wake up. Call. I reckon that's not an uncommon thing. I mean, I yeah. know, I know a lot of people who certainly in my world of selling their companies and all of a sudden that that finance thing doesn't become an issue ever again, right? All of a sudden they go into depression, right? Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't even sell their businesses because they're worried about what they will do next. So you had that kind of experience of financial, you know, on the pathway to financial freedom early. And then all of a sudden you hadn't thought about what, what you know, who does Brad Hart become after that? Yeah. And, and I was in no way, shape or form, you know, a million bucks nowadays is not a lot of money, but I was in no shape and form financially free at that time, I'd still have to work. But I realized at that moment that that was never going to be the thing that made me ultimately fulfilled. And that was the piece I didn't have, right? So right. Uh, there's a saying in the personal development community called shelf help. I had Tony Robbins book on my shelf for eight years, but I never actually read the damn thing. So I decided at that point to make a change and finally go to a Tony Robbins event. And it was at this event 
where I met a woman. Okay, so I'll just I'll I'll set the scene. So if you never we met are Tony like Robbins, we are like brothers here, even though our names are similar, because because you know, my story is that too. I had to jump yeah. to a Tony Robbins event to be saved. <laughs> yeah, and so grateful for Tony and all the lessons. But uh, I'm at this event. It was about three thousand people at time. It's called Unleash the Power Within. People are jumping up and down. They're getting into the music. They're getting excited. They're bumping India. It's like really wild. So I can remember um, I was jammed in this little row, and people are bumping into me, and I'm like, this is weird. So I go out to the to the outside, and there's this woman sitting there, and she's staring at the floor, and it was complete stark contrast to everything that was going on around us, all this noise and jubilation. And I asked her, I'm saying, what's wrong? She's like, I shouldn't be here. I said, what do you mean you shouldn't be here? She's like, uh, well, my kids are at home. I'm here. I can't afford to be here. Somebody bought me a ticket and uh, I don't know how I'm going to feed them next month. I'm like, oh shit. Well, it sounds like you're in the right place. I mean, it can't get any worse. Right. And I don't know if I can solve all your problems, but I definitely am not going to let your kids starve. So I pulled out my phone. I went on Amazon. I said, what's your address? And I filled one of those prime pantry boxes. I don't know if they still do that at the time, but it's like this big box you can fill with food and it's one shipping price and you just send it all. Uh, and like, you know, I sent her a bunch of non-perishable healthy food. And I'm like, hey, if you guys run out of food again, you just hit me up. And I gave her my Facebook and that was it. Uh, and then I forgot about it. went on with my life. And a year later, I get a notification on Facebook uh, that she's live and she's in her car and she's bawling, crying. And she's telling the story about how this guy she never she didn't even know uh had had saved her life because she was thinking about ending it all at that point. Wow. And I was like, holy oh. shit. So something that I felt like anybody who had the means would do in that moment, like just a human thing, like, hey, yeah, I'm not gonna let your kids starve. That's ridiculous. Like I wasn't even trying to be, you know, selfless or or some sort of, you know, great guy or anything. I was just like, that's that's an obvious thing you would do in that situation had had made such an impact on her life. And that was the moment where it all started to click, you know, between what I was learning with Tony is like success is a, is a science and achievement is an art. And that became the rabbit hole that I went down where I was like, okay, what can I do for others that seems normal and basic to me, but may make a, a profound impact on their lives. So that transformed into meeting Mike Shervikov and working with the Greatness Foundation. And we've built houses and schools and water wells and, and all these amazing projects around the world. And like actually getting in there and getting your hands dirty and bringing people along and having them have an experience and having them, their kids come along and bring bring them and have them an experience. Because, you know, in, in first world countries, we we get spoiled pretty quick or it's not even spoiled. I don't even know if that's the right. We just don't have contrast. And the only way is the only way our brains can process the world around us is by contrast. You can't well, become we become like, insulated, I think, is what, what yeah. I sort of think of. Because like, you know, I mean, I've traveled to places like Soweto and, you know, these days you can't really go into those places that easily. But I went there, you know, over a decade ago, in fact, over two decades ago. And when you start to be put in those environments and you see how people actually live or yeah. don't live, whatever you want to call the thing that they're doing existing, uh, it changes perspective massively. But, you know, yeah. you have to go and search for that. Well, actually, let's be frank. I mean, when we caught up recently in San Diego, you didn't have to go too far to see it actually in a, yeah. in a major 16th city. 16th and Imperial, there's people living on the street and it's rough, you know, and anywhere in even California cities, like you think San Francisco and LA and the really nice cities and there's millions of people living there. But at the same time, you have this stark poverty and people living in tent cities and it's not getting any better. So that's, that's part of the mission, right? It's this, it's, I call it the fuse, right? If we can light the fuse, get people to their basics, which is food, utility, shelter, and education, the whole world might shift because instead of you're flipping the script, right? Instead of people spending 90 plus percent of their time surviving, now they have time to to thrive. And yeah, some people will waste that time, but people waste time no matter what. It's giving them the option to not have to just struggle. They can actually thrive. You know? To go back to the, the lady that you helped, 
And of course, you know, you're at this event. This is the first time you've been to a Tony Robbins event. And as, as we both know, they're, they're pretty interesting. They're confusing too, right? Because a lot yeah. of emotions are going on. So you yeah. do this thing, you kind of forget about it, I assume, or will you forget about it maybe consciously, but subconsciously it's there. What did you find at that event? You know, was it, was it that helping that woman that was part of the whole experience that then pushed you into something else? Or I just, I'm just curious about how you transformed over those few days. Yeah, I think what I've recognized looking back, and I'm 37 now, this is a while ago, is we're all born selfish. And that's a, that's a necessity. You have to be selfish. Like I was just playing with my friend's new baby last night and, you know, she's hundred percent selfish and she has to be, or else, you know, if she's not crying and getting what she needs, she's not going to live very long. Right. And she can't take care of herself. So selfishness is important when you're born. And as you go through life, the goal would be to end up somewhat balanced and maybe a little more selfless and caring for others. Right. And eventually morph into that. Um, and not to be a martyr or anything, but to find a, you know, walk the abundant line between miser and martyr, right. Between selfish and selfless and find that balance. I think that's a dichotomy worth reconciling in this lifetime. Um, but most people stay selfish throughout their whole lives. And I certainly was right. I had only really considered my needs and I was 100% hell bent and focused on focusing on my needs to the detriment of meeting my own needs, which mm -hmm, is crazy. Okay. Like we have this, we have this schism that happens in our brain where like, we decide that if money gets solved, then everything's solved. But the reality is it's just money gets solved. All the other stuff's still there. It might even be magnified by the fact that you figured out money because, you know, it's like adding fuel to a rocket pointed to the stars. It'll end up in the stars pointed at the ground. It'll, it'll crash and burn. Right. So it's, it's all a function of what are you doing with the fuel that you're given? Um, so for me, it was finding that, that distinction between success and fulfillment, that success is actually the easy part. Uh, fulfillment is the art that you have to master and it's different for everybody. And for me, it was one thing. And for you, it'll be something different. And for, you know, Joe, who we've never met, it'll be a third thing. But I think if we start to think about how can we expand beyond our own needs? How can we expand to impacting uh, others, impacting animals, impacting the environment, impacting, you know, humanity in some way where we, where we push humanity forward? Like there's something outside yourself that you're being called to step up into. And that's what Tony kind of lands on when he talks about the six human needs. It's like, if you're focused on, I'll run through these real quick because I think it's a huge breakthrough that I made. And it took me like seven events to get to this breakthrough, which is, you know, there's certainty and variety. Those are two needs and they're, they're di diametrically opposed. That's a pretty easy one to reconcile, right? The more certain you are, the less variety you have and vice versa, uh, but you need both. And then you have significance and uh, love and connection. And those are actually diametrically opposed as well. Like the more significance you feel, the less love and the more love and connection you feel, the more of a martyr you might feel like and the less significant you might feel. So that's actually a, a mm, one that Jeffrey reconciles as well. And you don't break out of that until you start thinking in terms of, well, how can I grow? Well, and you can't just grow because growth without a purpose is cancer, right? So how do I grow? But how do I contribute now that I'm growing? So that's the balance, right? And if you're growing and contributing, you're keeping those in balance, then will you feel certain? Heck yes. Will you feel like you have variety in your life? Oh yeah. Will you feel like you're significant? Yep. And will you feel like you have love and connection to other people if you're always growing and contributing? Yeah. So that's the way to break out of that cycle is to focus on those two needs. Uh, so that was the real distinction I got from working with Tony uh, that led me to, to level up my life in a way that was, um, it, it achieved more success ultimately, which is the, the paradox, right? If you're chasing success, you only get so much. Uh, and it allowed me to have fulfillment. Now I'm actually excited to do what I do and there's no other shoe that's going to drop. It's like, now, if I want to go do a hundred million dollar, billion dollar thing, I know it's the money's a part of it. And I'm not like upset about that, but it's also the, you know, it's, it's, it's the fact that we're going to impact that many people or that much of a, a movement or change in the world. That's going to result in those, those 
earnings that are like the scoreboard and it's less about the money. It's more about the impact. So yeah. And who you become through that process. It's who, interesting. You become, I, who you grow into. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I was, um, I was just reflecting on, um, how Dr. John Martini talks about this, um, which I've, I went kind of from a lot of Tony into sort of studying some of Dr. Dr. John's work. And he talks about balance in an interesting way. He talks about if you have, let's say for example, you do create a lot of financial success. Um, but that is not balanced, if you like, with contribution, you know, exactly the way you, you beautifully articulated that. Um, you know, people, people can't correlate. If they haven't understood that the, there is going to be an equilibrium that comes from everything, they, they don't cope with the, the extremes of either side. And, and you see that classically when someone wins the lottery and they give up all their cash or someone who becomes famous very quickly, like goes on a reality TV show and all of a sudden they can't go into a restaurant without being noticed. And then a lot of them end up, you know, committing suicide or those sort of things because it's just gone too quickly. So I think the lesson here is really important, not just your journey on it, but, you know, all the people who listen to my show are usually changing, chasing some sort of financial success, some wealth. Yeah. But if you don't understand the other side of that, you know, then actually, you know, you could, you could come into some issues, some, some yeah. things that you and need if to you're not through. equal to, it can destroy you. Like, uh, I think this is a good way to segue into my crypto journey. Back in 2009, I was introduced to crypto by an app developer. I was developing apps at the time. And back then you could code a long essay into an app. You put it on the app store, you make a few bucks here and there. And it was like a couple grand a month of, of free passive cash inflow. I'm like, this is amazing. You know, this is the first thing I've ever done. That's completely digital around the world. When was this again? What was the year, Brad? This is about 2008. So 2009 rolls around and okay. I get a call from this guy, Matt, who was developing my apps and he has this idea for an app. I'm like, well, hit me. You know, he's like, oh, I need $5,000 to build a Bitcoin trading app. I'm like, what the heck is Bitcoin? You know, just like everybody at that time. <laughs> and uh, I gave him the $5,000 and he was trying to be coin based on a shoestring budget and did not succeed. Had I put the $5,000 into five cent Bitcoins, I'd be a billionaire right now. Oh, I love that story. Bitcoins, I love right? that story. So, so think about this though. Had I become a billionaire, through some accident of fate, I probably would have destroyed myself. There was no possible way that I could have been well-adjusted with a billion dollars in my early 20s, just knowing myself now, like but looking back on myself now. It would have been an I interesting experiment to, uh, to uh, go through that. <laughs> yeah. And, and even now I'm like, I have a healthy respect for what that means, right? If you have a billion dollars dropped on your lap, which could happen to you or me at this stage in our careers, well, now we have to think about the game of business differently. We have to think about our relationships differently. And it's not that we're going to change who we are. We're just going to have to be a little more circumspect when it comes to like, why are people in our lives? Cause you can't hide that kind of wealth. Right. Well, I think it changes uh, a lot have, of things, you yeah, know, I mean, have people around us that we can trust, you know, that's yeah. It. And I, you know, I, I was, um, you know, in my private equity days, I was around some billionaires, a, a lot of them, interestingly, you wouldn't necessarily know. I mean, you could do the research and work it out, sure. but there's a lot yeah. of billionaires in that space who kind of just hang out together, but that's the point. They kind of have to <laughs> because, right. because they, right. they don't know what's happening around, you know, and they forget a little bit of who they were. And yes, yeah, so there's, there is definitely a dark side to what a lot of people think is the upside. Yeah. So I'm grateful in the sense, like I got to do it at my own pace and that, mm -hmm. that God is kind in the sense of like, that he didn't voice too much success too fast because anytime <laughs> I get above my britches, so to speak, you know, if I grow out of who I actually am, if I haven't grown enough to, to support that, uh, I don't know that I'll be in the best and highest good. So it's no longer a prayer for money. It's no longer a prayer for success. It's more of a prayer for allow me to grow at the pace that I can actually do the most good. I'll segue into my very quick story and then let's get into everything crypto. Um, so I was in LA recently and I was doing a film shoot of all things um, in a street and um, you stand around a bit of time and 
whatever else. And this guy came up, came out from a bar and just started chatting. And, and we just, you know, what do you do? All that sort of stuff. And he said, oh, I, I don't really do much anymore because I've made a lot of money on, on Bitcoin. And I'm like, this is BS, whatever else. <laughs> and he goes, no, no, no. And he goes, he goes, that's that car over there, that Lamborghini, I reckon that's my car. And he goes, I'll show you my Coinbase account if you want. Right. And he had something like 260 million in Coinbase, whatever else. That Coinbase, like, Jesus, something yeah. ridiculous. Right. Anyway, he gave me this tip. He said, go and buy this, this thing. And I thought, what do you do? What do you do when someone says that? So I, I thought I'll go and buy 8,000 of these things. I'll tell you what it is. Cause it's a bit of fun. Um, where are we? I'm going to my little Coinbase account here. Everyone's listening to this. Isn't this, isn't yeah, this, yeah. Riv isn't this riveting, right? <laughs> We're about to get into how much of an idiot I am when it comes to this sort of stuff. Right? So here we go. My assets. So I bought, um, fetch.ai. Okay. And I bought 8,471 of them at what was it? 3P. And then now, now they're now 44P. Wow. <laughs> not there you shabby. go. So the reason I just say that is, is, is not to, is, is, you know, that was quite a funny situation, but you know what? And if it turns into Bitcoin, bear market, by the way, so it could do better in the, in the future. Yeah. Imagine if it turns into Bitcoin, Brad, I, I might be one of these billionaires who doesn't know what to well, do. Hey, there will no, there will be no other Bitcoin, right? That's the one, but there will certainly be a lot of crypto wealth created, especially when you start putting uh, traditional assets on the blockchain. That's, that's where it really takes off. So let's talk about this if people don't understand it, right? So yeah, let's yeah. talk so, about the blockchain first and, and, and yeah, so, let's demystify that and then get into it. So why is the blockchain a revolution? Well, whenever there is a revolution in money that makes two things happen, I believe it's a better system. So if you can increase trust and decrease friction, mm -hmm. you have yep. a better system. So think about barter to gold, gold to banks, banks to cash or checks, right? Cash and checks to credit cards. Like every one of those iterations was first laughed at, made to seem ridiculous, probably took a while to adopt, but it ultimately increased trust and decreased friction in the system, which made it a better system that more people adopted. And by the way, people still use gold and they still use banks and they still use all this stuff. It's not that it's going to completely replace it. It's just the next iteration. So when you think about like a check transaction, you're talking about four ledgers, then a credit card transaction, you're talking about three ledgers. Now we have one public ledger where everybody can see everything in real time. And there's no way to lie about what you have or don't have because your wallet will tell you what it is. And then the private keys control those wallets. So that's blockchain in the monetary sense yep. uh, right there. So that's the application of money on blockchain, right? And that's what we call Bitcoin. That's what we call any token that's used to, to power these. And I won't go too deep in the rabbit hole, but that's the revolution in money. Now we got to talk about the revolution on the internet side, which is what we call Web3. So Web2 is companies create content, companies make money. Web three is people make content, people make money. Meaning whatever asset you create on a web three application can be followed around with your ownership attached anywhere on the blockchain. So it's no longer you create content on Facebook and Facebook owns it, or you create content on YouTube and YouTube technically owns it and they can shut it down wherever they want. You can take that content, put it on any platform you want. So it becomes platform agnostic, meaning you create it once and then it can be moved anywhere, traded, replicated, but you can ultimately get a license or a royalty for that content. And that can be coded into what's called a smart contract, which can be executed on the blockchain. So let's say, for example, I want to have some intellectual property rights, right? And I want to grant those uh, using certain rules to anybody who wants, as long as they pay a certain amount of money. 
well, I don't now need to go and negotiate every single one of these deals. I can set up a smart contract that says, hey, if you pay me X, you'll get Y rights for X, you know, for Z amount of time. Right. And then it automatically works all the deals. It automatically makes all the payouts. I automatically get my royalty sent to a wallet of my choice. I don't need to think about it again. As long as the contract was set up properly, it's there on the blockchain. Anybody can interact with it. And it's like my agent, right? Kind of cool. So like that's one application. Another application could be um, I want to rent my Airbnb and uh, have all my contracts and titles and uh, service agreements and you know vendors and everything on that on that blockchain, right? So if I want to interact with, you know, one, two, three main street, which is the property, all I have to do is go on and, and interact with the smart contract. It will make the deal happen. It will, it will work based on the criteria that were set. It will do the payouts. It will set up the access. It will revoke the access and so on and so forth. Like there are things going to happen that will require less and less human interaction and create more and more automation based on sets of rules. Now, will there be, there be issues with this? Of course, but I'm thinking in the future that more and more things will end up happening on blockchain because it's just a better system, right? Which creates less friction and more trust. And more trust. And what yeah. often often things are displaced when there's new innovations, right? So so what I mean, who who loses as the blockchain wins? I know that's probably not the way to express it, but Yeah, that's a I great, mean, great thing to think about. So it's like, well, what's up for grabs? What's in the crosshair, so to speak? Well, life insurance contracts, annuity contracts real estate contracts, legal contracts, uh, any kind of contract that could be recreated in the blockchain on a smart contract, absolutely up for grabs. Um, anytime we think about ownership of anything could be replaced by by that. And I mean, that's millions and billions of dollars worth of transactions every single day, right? We're talking about a system that currently has less than 1 trillion of all the available assets. And you think that's a lot of money, right? But when you think about that in the terms of like, that's one tenth of one percent of all the money is in crypto right now. Well, what happens when it's one percent or ten percent or fifty percent at some point in the future? And I'm not saying it will happen. Maybe there's a a new unknown thing that'll even do better than blockchain. I don't know, right? We can't speculate in the future, but that's the bet I'm making is that blockchain will become more relevant. Which projects, which platforms, which coins? No idea. But blockchain will be continue blockchain to become as, more as relevant. as an entity. And how yeah. is it? And I know this is again. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask the silly questions that people are thinking but won't ask. Um, how is it controlled or not controlled? Yeah, great question. So it's decentralized. What does that mean? Well, think of a central bank, a central government, a central entity, a corporation owning and then allowing people to use their property. With blockchain, not necessary. In fact, whoever created Bitcoin, they go by the pseudonymous name Satoshi Nakamoto, has not made themselves known. For all we know, they, they never existed or they immediately stepped in front of traffic and got hit by a bus as soon as they created this thing. But it's a system that can entirely function based on incentive without any central governing authority. So now Bitcoin is essentially run by a, a network of computers that have an incentive to mine transactions, quote unquote, that allows them to earn money by securing the blockchain. And they do this by a consensus protocol that's a little more complex than I'd like to dive into right now. But essentially, that's how it's run. So no one person needs to run Bitcoin. And that's why it's considered more like a commodity asset, considered like more like real estate. And it's deflationary, meaning there'll only ever be 21 million of them uh, versus um, you know a stock or something like that, where it's a corporate entity, where there's board members and people with undue influence over it. Nobody has undue influence over Bitcoin because it's a network versus uh, an individual or a group of individuals. Now, contrast that with Ethereum, which is now a blockchain where you can add applications on top. 
Vitalik Buterin, we know who that is. He created it, right? Now he no longer has control of it. And it's it's more set up like Bitcoin in the sense of like, you know, distribution of, of uh, incentivized players. And they move from now mining to sharding, which is a whole nother thing to control it. But uh, it also has a deflationary aspect to it. So it's it's not like cash or or fiat currency, which is controlled by central banks. You can print as much as you want. It has built-in mechanisms to keep the supply uh, either fixed or decreasing so that the value doesn't get out of control, right? Where where you print more money and the purchasing power declines, like we, we've we all seen lately. We've gone to the oh, grocery yeah, store exactly. lately. You know, hundred <laughs> bucks used to fill your grocery cart. Now it doesn't fill a grocery bag. It's kind of sad. You know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are, are different. Plus they have all these additional uh, utilities and applications when you talk about Web3. So uh, I might've gotten off the thread on the question, but if you want no, to- No, 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 no. I mean, we were talking a little bit about um, control and, yeah. and, those, and lack of control. And I suppose, you know, because I know a lot of people who believe in the sovereignty of, of this and, yeah. you know, are, are sort of against, if you like, the idea of, of the controls. And we've seen to some extent what happens when there has been lack of regulation you know, within the financial services industries. Yeah. And I think there's a fear a little bit of, well, if there is no regulation of this, if no one's over it, it's obviously self-governed, right? Or governed by the community, which I suppose your point here really is that increases the trust. Yeah, well, if nobody can manipulate it, if it's what you see is what you get, if the contracts are all open, anybody can read code. If the um, if there's a if there's a group of, coders and hackers of which I am not, I want to be clear about that, but I have some really great ones in my corner who can at any time look through the code and say, oh, this is, this is bullshit, or there's something wrong here. Or there's a, there's a, a backdoor in this contract instead of what we typically deal with is like, we don't know what a corporate entity's motives are. We don't know what the contract really says. We don't know what's happening in the backroom deal. It's like, what you see is what you get. It's all there on the blockchain. Anybody can look it up right now. You can go to etherscan.io and look up any smart contract you want on Ethereum right now. That's a, that's a revolution in and of itself. It's the same type of revolution as open source code, right? Where anybody can utilize, say, Tesla's patents to go and create an electric car because we're starting to recognize that we all do better together when there's more access to information, not less. Yeah, which is a, which is a massive cultural change globally yeah. as well. You know, particularly Dude. when you're starting to see well, I'm going to say multiple governments collapse in different ways, right? For different reasons. So, you know, I often believe that, you know, entrepreneurship has the ability to change the world more for the positive than any sort of government structure or setup could. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this, this segues nicely into why I love mastermind groups. Well, you know, if you zoom out a little bit and talk about who is Brad Hart, well, he's the make more marbles guy. What does make more marbles mean? It means I used to be the guy who was grabbing for all the marbles, the hungry, hungry hippo, the trader, the real estate guy. You know, if I win, you lose and vice versa. Uh, and then I transitioned to, well, why can't we make more for everybody? Let's make more for everybody. Let's do that. So that became my ethos, right? Make more marbles. And when I joined mastermind groups, I realized that that was what that was about. It wasn't people coming in, seeing what they could get. It was people coming in, seeing what they could give and making more for everybody. It's not one plus one equals two. It's one plus one equals 11 at that point. So mastermind groups and blockchain are kind of similar in that regard, right? They have this aspect of, we create more together than anybody could have created on their own. And we create networks of people that are incentivized to work together. Like for example, a distributed autonomous organization or DAO you might've heard about. Mm -hmm. These yep. are tens of thousands of people working together, incentivized to work together on blockchain that can create wealth for everybody and create new and exciting things that 
they can move faster than any company could. Like, I think they're going to eat the Fortune 500 in the next 10 to 15 years. No question, because there's no reason except for uh, having an incentive of being a centralized entity and having that 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 financial head start that tens of thousands of people working in tandem around the world couldn't destroy your your business model very quickly. You know, it's like having a cruise ship. It takes a while to 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 navigate that thing versus like a little tiny speedboat. So as people are listening to you, and you've obviously done a heap of heap of research reading, you know, thrown yourself into this world, where would people start if they wanted to learn more? Yeah, on the crypto side, I have a little cheat sheet that I put together. It's been downloaded tens of thousands of times. It's still pretty solid as far as what I wrote it years ago, but it, it's been updated right. a few times. It's at um, marbles.link slash crypto. That's marvels.link slash crypto. Or you go to NFT crypto community if you want to talk about more videos. We have guides. We have probably 30 plus free videos on there that I've written about Web3 stuff just to get into the water and understand what you're playing with. And it's going to sound like gobbledygook. My advice is to stick with it because once it starts to make sense, you start to like I try to draw analogies to stuff you already understand, like I did with the banking and everything. Once you start to, to draw analogies, stuff that makes sense, you realize like it's not the same, but you kind of have a framework for it already. Like you kind of understand how it works already. It's just adding a new layer on top of it. Just like anything, like people who didn't understand the internet. Well, it's, you know, it's, it's basically the analogy would be it's a marketplace where anybody can transact with anybody without having to be physically in the same place. That's the only thing. You're just layering on top a thing you already understand. It's like going to the bazaar or the market or the flea market or the store, and you you can purchase anything you want. You can look at anything you want. You can get pitched on anything you want. You can learn about anything you want, but you don't have to be there physically. So that's yeah, the first iteration of the metaverse, so to speak. And now we're moving further into it. And 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 then, you know, as we as we both would attest to, like anything is difficult. You know, when you first start it, right? You just got to kind of keep going yeah, with it. Because I agree with you. Like that's a really nice explanation of the internet, and now everyone uses it, right? Everyone understands it, right? Yeah. And and I take it your prediction with blockchain is that's where blockchain will be yeah, in in about twenty years, yeah. right? Yeah, Let's talk about sure. NFTs quickly. Just sure. your yeah. your view on that, because we've touched on a little bit about you know you can buy um, or acquire assets if you like um, in yeah. this space. And this is the thing that's going to make people crazy. NFTs are not stupid artwork that people buy for no reason. Sure, it's not a monkey. You know, yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's, that's an application of an NFT. But it, it just in your mind, it helps to equate NFTs to ownership. NFTs mean ownership on the blockchain, meaning you can prove you own something. It could be a piece of artwork. It could be a piece of real estate. It could be a piece of intellectual property. It could be a license to something. It could be anything that you want to own. And it's executed through a smart contract. And you can verify it at any time on the blockchain. So no longer, I mean, this cuts out all fraud, really, because if you're savvy enough to say, hey, let's put this on the blockchain, and then somebody savvy enough to verify that it's it's actually owned by that person who has control of that wallet, it now becomes a bare instrument that proves that that person actually is, is, is saying what they say. Like, for example, when Nick had that, um, that was a great story, the guy who had the Lambo is like, yeah, I actually made a ton of money in Bitcoin. And he had to show you his Coinbase account. Well, you could take that a step further and say, yeah, show me your crypto wallet where those coins live and send me a test transaction or a message through an NFT that says basically, yes, this is from coming from my wallet. And then there's no way to dispute that because if it's his keys, it's his coins. And that that's true of everybody. So with great power comes great responsibility, right? Well, that's it, great. That though. But that's because, problem. yeah, because a lot of people, you know, particularly in this kind of area of wealth, say one thing and, and mean another. <laughs> or make it up or i see it all it the time yeah. you know but there's a piece where you can't hide away from that you can prove it pretty quickly by exactly what you said interesting yeah and, and what that's about... what i tell everybody they're like oh i met some bitcoin billionaire i'm like great have him send a test transaction from the wallet in question and that'll be the you know 
That's your That'll proof of funds. There you yeah, go. That's what banks do now. And they're like, hey, let's do ACH deposit. They'll send a couple pennies. They'd be like, how many pennies do we send? Simple as that, right? That's one way to verify if people are full of shit or not. Got it. And and what do you, if you sort of look project forward, because you've studied this you know, in a, in a very deep way, Brad, what do you think some of the key trends are going to be over the next immediate time? So let's say the next you know, 12 months to 36 months. You know, yeah. are we going to see some big shifts or are we going to see more of a subtle growth? What, what are your predictions on that? I think regulators have their work cut out for them. Meaning mm. a lot of the investment products that were difficult to manage off blockchain, when you put them on blockchain, it's even crazier, right? So they're going to have their work cut out for them. I think companies will need an intense amount of help. So learning about blockchain and, and cryptocurrency, not from an investor standpoint, but just from like a how to operate in this world standpoint, there's going to be several six-figure jobs available to to be you know for the taking essentially. If you can be educated on this and help companies make the transition, that's going to change the game. Um, again, I think DAOs will will eat the Fortune 500. You know, you're already seeing multi-billion-dollar DAOs spring up almost overnight with incredible ideas like Uniswap is a multi-billion dollar DAO that just came kind of out of nowhere to to provide a service in in the metaverse, so to speak. And uh, and there'll be others like that and it will continue to change. Um, whenever you have tens of thousands of people working on something because they're incentivized to do so, you know, think about Uber and how that's changed the way people work. Like this is going to continue to push in that direction. Um, I think there'll be a few more cycles. Like, so let's say let me just draw an analogy to this. If we're in 1998 with regard to user adoption on the blockchain versus the internet, well, what was happening on the internet in 1998? Well, we hadn't had the dot-com crash yet, so it was still pretty early. Um, Google was new. Amazon was new. Facebook, YouTube didn't exist yet. We don't even know what the platforms will be that will dominate on blockchain or how they'll show up. Like Even if, we, if, if they exist now, we can't even pick them out of a lineup. It's too early. So we have to start thinking like, okay, how do we want to relate to this? I want to learn it. I want to understand how it works. I want to be able to play with all the different nuances and bits and pieces. Yeah, I want to invest somewhat, but I'm, I'm more looking at long-term platforms than projects. And I'm only going to look at projects that I believe could have the potential to, to be built on top of. Meaning, so the way I distinguish a platform versus a project is I want to own YouTube, not a YouTube channel. I want to own Facebook, not a Facebook profile. I want to own Amazon, not an Amazon store. Yeah, I get it. Sense. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. And, and there's always, what's interesting about, um, let's call it dot, dot com expansion, right? Particularly when, when technology around broadband increased and accessibility increased and people weren't getting those stupid dial-up things. Um, everything then accelerated in terms of yeah. pace of change, right? New companies. And now that we have broadband. Well, and we have cell phones, we have smartphones, like the well, 2007, wasn't it? When the iPhone was released and apps were kind of, you know, mainstream. But yeah. the, the thing that's interesting for me is you've, you've had this acceleration of the world, right? And certainly the commerce side of that around um, the internet. Is there a compounding effect is what I'm getting at here with blockchain? In other words, is the speed of change going to accelerate with this yet again, right? Because uh, let me, let me explain where I'm coming from. I have people who come to me and say, oh, listen, you know, I want to build my company, build value, want to sell it in the next decade, right? And I go, dude, we'll do that. You're mad, right? Because in 10 years time, your, your industry is probably not going to exist, certainly in the way that it is today, right? And, and I'm talking about some pretty traditional industries, law, um, yeah. real estate, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. 
So if people want to kind of build value and exit their companies, I'm saying, listen, bring that, bring that timeline back. <laughs> Three to five years tops. Yeah. That's it. That's what I'm saying. You know, it's the same way, like we, we might've, you know, back in corporate days and your hedge fund days, we might've done a five-year plan. These days it's a 12 month plan guys, right? Cause yeah. the world's changing. But yeah. my point here is with blockchain becoming more accepted, more, dare I say it, mainstream over the next couple of decades, what, what impact is that going to have? Is that going to speed everything else up? Yeah, I think it has to, right? Because you have so many people who are still unbanked. When you think about the world, you have so many people are still are not on the internet. Uh, you know, we take it for granted everybody's mm, yeah. on the internet, but like 3 billion people are on the internet. That's more than half the world's not. And then more than half the world still is not on banking, which you think, you know, banking has been around a lot longer than the internet. So this allows people to leapfrog. Like they're not going to go through the iterations we did with telephone lines and dial up and modems and, and, and PC computers. No, they're going to go straight to Starlink on their mobile phone, smartphone, and get right onto the blockchain. Because why wouldn't they, right? It's not like banking was doing them any favors. It's been keeping them out of the global economy for decades. So you're going to see an explosion of people everywhere in the world doing this. And, and I, I'm trying to get ahead of it by... Uh, working with companies like Kiva, like uh, Kiva's raised 1.3 billion for entrepreneurial people around the world, and it's a loan, and they pay it back, and you get multiple bites of the apple versus a charity where you just give it away and it's done. So doing that plus you know getting people into the global economy and supporting entrepreneurial people around the world, I think is the fastest way to create wealth and more abundance for everybody. The wealthier everybody gets as a function of averages, the better the world gets. The I was going to go into this point actually. And, you know, the less people are burning trash and the less people are abandoning children or good, you know, getting into terrible, nefarious things because they just they have more options. So I was going to ask about this. You touched on just then um, wealth transfer, right? Or, um, you know, wealth being spread more diversely across the world. Do you, do you think the blockchain is going to, you know, get get the top of the spear sharper? In other words, there'll be a lot more wealthier people there. Or is it going to make the long tail longer? How do you think it's going to work in, into that? I think it has to be both, right? Because yes, there'll be people who trade pictures of apes and, and digital fuzzy stuff for millions of dollars. And that's going to be one side of it. But there was always people doing weird speculative stuff at the top of the margins for, throughout history. I mean, remember the tulip crisis in freaking Amsterdam back in the day, right? Um, but at the other end of it, yeah, you're going to get people who enter the global economy for the first time. Like I have a guy working for me right now who lives in Nairobi, Kenya. I visited Nairobi, Kenya more than 12 years ago. And saw the very beginning of that with Samsource and Lila Jana and God rest her soul. She's passed since. But yeah. bringing tech jobs that were done by one engineer in Silicon Valley to 100 people in, in Nairobi, Kenya, who could do that same job for cheaper versus one versus the other. That was 11 years ago. Now we have a guy who's like doing all my videos, uploading my social media, doing all my editing for a third of the price I could get it in the United States. And he's he, he loves the deal because he's crushing it. He's making tons of money compared to what his friends are. And, and I'm crushing it because I'm saving... Well, I've just, I've just recruited effectively most of my team out of South Africa. There you go. For that reason. And it's crazy when you, when you look at, you know, that, that dispersion of talent, you know, versus, you know, exchange rates and all sorts of things. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's definitely changed. And I think access, access to these people who are very, very talented, it does start to change the way we think about, you know, value in the economy for sure. Yeah. And I can pay him in crypto if I want to. I don't. I mean, we have Y set up for that. But uh, if he asked me to pay in crypto, I could pay in crypto and there'd be no intermediary bank, no hassle, wallet to wallet as fast as I want, right? It takes 10 minutes or less to settle a transaction. 
and uh, and we're off into the races. You know, so it's it's a new way to interact with people that you otherwise would have never even considered interacting with. It would just be too many barriers. We're just we're breaking down barriers. We're creating more trust and less friction, and that's that simple. So let's talk about a couple of the projects that you're currently working on. And just just before we jump into that, I had the privilege of um, speaking uh, last year, actually, on one of your stages, Brad, in one of your masterminds, which was amazing, um, focused on wealth and building wealth. But you've got a couple of other things going on right now. Do you want to share what they are with um, with the listeners? Yeah. So again, I have the tried and true and the stuff we do for money now and to help people now, which is masterminds. Masterminds are not a new concept. People have been getting together in mastermind groups for hundreds of years. You've probably read Think and Grow Rich. And if you haven't, what are you doing with your life? That's behind Check me now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there uh, so so we, we've been teaching people how to build mastermind groups. I've joined 50 plus mastermind groups. I've helped people launch hundreds of them. And I have a mentor named Jay Fazette uh, who got me into the game, helping me do this. So uh, that was seven years ago. Now we're partnered on his event called Mastermind to Millions, which is going to be live in Phoenix um, in March 23rd to 26th. You can go to mastermindofmillions.live. That's mastermind2millions.live, T-O. Uh, to check out, you know, tickets. We got everything there. Come VIP, hang out with us. If you're interested in joining a great mastermind or launching your own great mastermind or both, that's the the penultimate event. Between Jay and I, we have 40 plus years of experience doing this. Uh, so I can't imagine a better place to be if you want to get that going. And I'm the person who lived up to the to the message, right? I wrote the book, 12,000 copies sold, million and a half on the back end, launched a bunch of masterminds, made millions of dollars doing this. So this is this is the real deal. Like uh, I can say for for sure that event started me on that track, and and I lived up to the promise of that event. So mastermind millions live. Then um, you know just we before have... we go into the next one because I want to just yeah. ask a question on the mastermind because I think a lot sure. of people a lot of people ask me. How do you choose a mastermind? How do you how do you make that selection, right? So just to help out the listeners, if you were asked that question, Brad, having been to many and set hundreds up, how do you choose the right one if you want to want to join one? Yeah, so I'll I'll uh, defer to Scott Whitaker on this one. So Scott's a guy who um, he's in the Dan Kennedy community. We met recently. He wasn't even on my radar, but I read his book. He's got a lot on the ball. So I'll use his kind of matrix that he talks about. It's two things: it's results and relationships. And if you're in an environment, in a group or mastermind or membership where you have low results and low relationships, you're probably going to leave that mastermind. There's nothing there for you. If you have high results and low relationships, you're going to feel like you're getting value, but you're not going to feel like you know anybody. You're not going to feel assimilated into the community and you're not going to keep showing up. If you have a lot of relationships, but you're not getting a lot of results, the opposite problem happens. You feel like you're paying to hang out with your friends, but you're not getting a lot of value above and beyond that, right? Uh, if you have results and relationships and you can solve for both of those, that's a great group. So that is different for everybody, nice. but those are the two things to focus on. So if you can think of your outcome, like I want to be a great internet marketer, I want to learn marketing. Okay, great. Well, I might have you join flight club. I might have you join a few other masterminds that are specifically focused on that, where the results are high and the relationships are high and you will be on the cutting edge because masterminds are kind of like a time machine, right? You'll be on the cutting edge of AI and blockchain and all these new cool things that are happening that are going to change the way we market. We're going to change the way we run our businesses. So wanting to be ahead of the curve is always better than being behind the curve and having smart people around you share openly what's working for them accelerates your timeline. Cause you might have one or two great breakthroughs a year in your business where it's like worth sharing, like something that really just exploded your business. But think about now you're in a room with 50 people who have two breakthroughs. Now you have a hundred breakthroughs. Yeah. Well, I can say, you know, from my personal experience as well, any money that I've invested in joining a mastermind group, and I didn't believe this in the beginning, and that's probably a mindset issue as well. I thought, God, that's a, you know, that's an investment, right? You know, certainly when yeah. you're sort of exploring this world of personal professional development, but every investment I've made has had at least a four to five times or more return 
like so, like crazy, right? So so if anyone's on the fence about this type of stuff, my advice to you, and I'm sure Brad will, will highlight it too, is you know you've got to go into these things, right? And trust it. Yeah. <laughs> trust the yeah, trust the relationships to give, go. not to get, right? You will get if you give, but you, if you show up to extract, people will immediately feel that on you. They'll smell it on you, and they'll they'll pull back. But if you go in there and you're just like, how can I help? How can I add the most value to your life right now? What are you excited about right now? And you just ask the questions and just listen. I just teed you up. Like that's that's 10 years of me figuring out what are the best questions to ask to go deep with people quickly. Here you go. Ready? What are you most excited about right now? How can I add the most value to your life right now? And simply, how can I help? Those three questions will set you above and beyond anybody that participates in masterminds and will set you on the path to getting all of your outcomes achieved and then some. I'll, I'll actually go so far as to say, I bet you're thinking too small. You'll go in, you'll get those crushed out in two minutes and you'll be like, oh man, I got to think bigger because now I'm around big dogs and I'm, I'm doing bigger stuff. <laughs> so that's what are. a mastermind will do for you. I love it. Yeah. If you, if you, um, what, what do they say? Um, you've got to get in rooms that scare you. Right. And if you're that's the it. biggest, the biggest person in the room, then you're in the wrong room, right? In the wrong room. <laughs> There's always a bigger room. So let's, uh, let's talk about, um, another project that you're excited about right now. Um, certainly more in the crypto space. Yeah. So uh, I am so grateful that I have some amazing people I've cultivated relationships with, some amazing mentors, people like yourself, Nick, uh, that I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for for them pouring into me the way they do. And uh, the I'm like on the 99.9% one yard line of this deal. So I can't talk about all the specifics yet, but I'll give you yep. the, the highlights and overviews. So uh, I was connected to recently through a mentor uh, who is working on a really cool deal with the Vatican. I can't talk about all that yet, yep. uh, but that turned into a relationship with this Spanish language speaking crypto education company that has already helped 8,000 students in Spain and is looking to go global and in English. So they have a full team. They've made a lot of money. They've won a 2CC comma club word X, whatever they call that one with the $10 million award. Yep. Um, and they've also scaled up other, other things as well. So they have a lot of marketing experience. Uh, good, good access to capital. They want to build an empire. Like they have that real, you know, they want to make a huge impact. They want to help a lot of people. So they recruited me to be the face of their English speaking crypto education, which I'm really wow. excited about. So we just spent the last four days here in Phoenix. They flew all the way from, from Spain to, to film like 70, 80 videos. I don't even know how many we ended up doing, but it was just like constant for four days, uh, getting it all set up. So we're going to do a soft launch in March. And then we're going to do a big launch in May and on and on we'll go. We're going to probably end up doing six launches a year. So you might end up seeing my dumb face everywhere pretty soon. <laughs> so I'm grateful <laughs> that you came on the show, mate. Yeah, I'm, surprised, I'm surprised you came on with, you might've lost your voice and all that, but you've showed up with energy. Cause like, if I'd done 70 odd videos, I'd be like, I need to sleep. <laughs> well, here's the distinction. Here's the distinction. I'm grateful. And yeah, I get burned out like everybody else, but I'm so freaking grateful. Like if you saw where I started up, it's not where you start up. It's where you end up. And my life is now a dream because I worked 20 freaking years as hard as I possibly could to add as much value to as many people as possible to the point where like, it's just like, you're finally ready. You know, it's just like the, the, the good things that we're looking for you are finally, you're equal to them. You've grown enough to where now you can contribute at a level where it all makes sense. And I, I think all the hard work I've done and all the uncertainty that I've had to experience as an entrepreneur is now paying off. And it just, it feels so amazing. I'm so grateful for it that honestly, yeah, I'm, I'm knackered. I'm tired. Like our best friends just had a baby. I'm here like falling asleep with the baby in my arms. I'm doing all this personal <laughs> stuff. We got our, our dog has issues and we've got, uh, we've got all this work stuff, but it's all great. It's all beautiful. And I'm so thankful for it. Like I wouldn't, I couldn't picture my life any other way. That's better than I could have ever hoped for. So uh, I just want to keep expanding. I just want to keep growing. I want to keep increasing the capacity to serve. And as long as I focus on that, everything else is easy. It comes out in the wash. 
Perfect. Okay, well, let's let's wrap up so you can get some rest, Brad, with three questions. So first question, is there a book that you've read recently that's had a big impact on you and why? David Goggins is a straight up world-class savage. He wrote Can't Hurt Me, which was number two. So uh, all the folks at Scribe are my friends and they, they had an incredible success with that book. It was number two on all of Amazon, not just in a category. So that crushed. And now he's come out with a second book, which I just read recently called uh, Never Finished. And I have to say, like, every time I read a book like that or Jocko Willink or any of these guys that like, they, they've lived harder lives than any of us, you know, like it's, it's insane. They've, they've put themselves mostly in those situations. Like you want to be a Navy SEAL, you want to be a Ranger, you want to be this, you want to be that. Like that's some of the hardest stuff you could do on the planet. And they seek those things out. They find their edges so that they can bring back the wisdom to us and share it with us. And I, I take that. So I, that's just so helpful for me to to think about them when I'm going through something hard. Love it. It's like I, you know, my stuff is 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 nothing. So yeah, that that book really uh, helped. Yeah, can't, can't hurt cool me is too. is probably my definitely in my top five books of all time. Yeah, you know, and, and partly because I like running as well. But just you know, it's it's yeah. if you haven't read that book, if you want to kind of um, look at your life through a different lens, read that book or read both books. Um, yeah. Okay, a piece of advice. You know, we've talked about a lot of things today. A piece of advice that you'd like to leave listeners with. Get in the right rooms, period, full stop. Join masterminds, whatever you got to do. Whatever you got to do. It's the, the money is daunting to people, but money is is it's an illusory thing. There's trillions of dollars floating around the planet. It's not your money, it's the money, right? It's like get resourceful, find a way, get in the rooms, and more and more of it will come to you and will become less and less of an issue. Awesome. Okay. And finally, where can people reach out to you, Brad? Where are the channels that you hang out yeah. if they want to get in touch? So all my socials are at make more marbles. Make more marbles is uh, my brands. You can check out makemoremarbles.com. I've got a couple of books out on there. Go to mastermindmillions.live. Come see us in, in Phoenix in person, get a VIP ticket so I can hang out with you in the reception and give you a big hug. And uh, I hope I can help you get your path, uh, illuminated with masterminds and getting you to where you want to go. Cause you deserve to have wonderful people like Nick in my, in your life. You know, like I wouldn't have met Nick if it wasn't for masterminds. I wouldn't have met Charles. if It wasn't for masterminds Lee and all these amazing people that, that we pour so much into each other's lives. It's like when you're surrounded by a players, you never want to go back. It's incredible. So I just, yep. I would do anything to make that happen. And, and that's the biggest thing for me. Love it, mate. This has been fun. A lot of fun. I just yeah. want to say thank you again because I said I know you've had lots going on, heaps going on, uh, and I'm grateful for you to come on the show. We've been talking about it for a while. Sometimes it's hard to get the diaries scheduled, but this has been amazing. And I, I love the fact, you know, we've talked about stuff that you've been doing for a long time that you're an expert in, but also the fact that you're educating yourself on all this other stuff as well. Like I didn't quite appreciate how much you've kind of gone deep into this and and really started to own it, right? And 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 put your head above the precipice and be able to kind of help people with it. So just want to say on behalf of everyone, the scale up listeners, myself, thank you very much. Thank you, Nick. Thank you everybody. Have a beautiful day. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.